Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junity Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us here next week today, uh, where we cover everything that we see coming up in the markets. We touch base on everything that we saw last week and just give you an overall update. Uh, as you can see, probably from the quality of video that's coming through, uh, I am still on the road traveling, so uh, bear with me. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the sound's coming through pretty clearly um and uh we'll we'll get through today probably we have a lot to get through today so uh so let's dive into things uh as always keep in mind that uh everything that we cover here on these videos is for information purposes only uh always do your own due diligence or reach out to us go to mikeonmoney.com we're happy to answer any of your questions about your portfolio or uh strategies uh or anything that we cover here or any questions you might have do reach out to us um and we can see what uh, what specifically uh, uh, strategies or or different portfolio suggestions might fit your particular situation. So with that, let's jump on to things. Uh, we always start off with a bit of COVID update. I was actually looking forward to taking this slide out of our uh, out of our weekly sessions, uh, but I've left it in just because a lot of things are happening on the COVID front. Uh, obviously, globally now is 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 the uh, the bigger picture. You know, Canada itself. Um, Everyone's pretty familiar with, with what's going on. Of course, travel has somewhat reopened for Canada. Uh, you know, there's still uh, still uh, testing requirements to come back in the country. Uh, they did make a change in, in British Columbia, or sorry, for Canada rather, that um, as of November 30th, if you're out of the country for less than uh, 72 hours, um, you can come back without a uh, without a PCR test. Uh, but that's and there's a lot of, I know if you're uh, if you're in British Columbia right now um, there's a lot of confusion around that because of course the floods the shortage of gas and other supplies that we're seeing around the, the lower mainland or the southern part of Vancouver uh, you know people have wanted to go across the border uh, to get gas or uh, supplies uh, and then come right back uh, and there was some there, there were some announcements made that people would not have to get their test if they were uh, only gone for, um, uh, I think they worded it as um, critical needs or, um, uh, you know, required needs. So, for example, I, I think they were saying, you know, people uh, people really require their, their their vehicles for work and they need gas and they uh, could, could go down there and get it and not require the test. But the uh, the border service don't know about those those potential um, those potential uh waiving of those requirements and there's been a lot of fines being issued uh, you know over five thousand dollar fines for people going over the border for for a quick jaunt so that's happening in bc globally especially around europe you know germany's seeing a massive resurgence in in numbers of cases uh we're seeing that through austria we talked about last week austria bringing in some pretty strict um shutdowns for people who are not vaccinated if you are vaccinated they're still fairly open um, but if you're not vaccinated, very restrictive movements. Uh, and we're seeing that in the Netherlands was a lot of protests taking place. Uh, but now we're seeing those numbers really, really spike in the U.S. And that's pre-Thanksgiving weekend uh, in the United States, which is this weekend. So, uh, so there's a lot of concerns about, you know, much like we saw going into last winter, uh, then, you know, the numbers increase in. And we're seeing those, especially in countries where the, the vaccination rates uh, are lower. You know, Canada's still doing fairly well, cross our fingers. 
that that continues. And of course, they're, they're just approved the vaccine for, for children five to 12. And I know that they're getting those, those they're different doses. So those are having to be shipped out. And uh, all the reports I'm hearing is uh, those are coming out this week or next week, depending on where you're located, uh, for kids five to uh, five to twelve, and of course the booster shots uh, continue on. The U.S. has now approved booster shots for any adult over eighteen. So that you know they started with age, they started with different requirements. Now it's all adults over age eighteen are eligible for the booster shot, uh, and uh, and see if they uh, see what the uptake is on that. Because of, of course the U.S. is still lagging a little bit as a country. They have spots where they have higher vaccination rates, but as a country, uh, they're still a little bit lower. So we're going to continue to keep an eye on what's going on with uh, with, with COVID globally. Uh, it continues to be, unfortunately, a concern. Um, and this travel season is going to be really, uh, obviously, uh, more and more people are getting together, uh, you know, more and more challenges that could that could lead to. So we'll keep an eye on it. So with that, let's take a look at what's going on in the markets. Uh, we are looking coming up for this week, the manufacturing number, um, uh, manufacturing index coming out, and also the service index, uh, and also the uh, the Richmond Fed business activity survey. So what the outlook uh, for uh, for you know business growth going forward, especially in the smaller business area, the mid-sized business, uh, seeing what the, you know how optimistic they are for certainly the last quarter and go ahead and into 2022. Uh, stock futures edged down a little bit today, so we saw the markets off uh, earlier this morning, uh, not by a lot, but we've seen, you know, we've seen a bit of pressure uh, off those highs, uh, you know, a lot of things driving that, of course, it's, you know, I think we have to change a part of, of this weekly show to, you know, inflation watch, because it seems like that's, you know, that's the key theme that's uh, overhanging the markets and will continue to overhang the markets for, for some time. Uh, and uh, and what that's that's going to lead to uh, certainly into 2022. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Jerome Powell was renominated for Fed uh, for Fed Reserve Chair. Uh, so at least the, you know the market doesn't like surprises. It likes you know the devil it knows. So you know no change there, no change in the outlook. So. Um, you know, no big surprises for the market. So that from that side, it was good. But at the same time, the market kind of signal, okay, well, if he is going to stay in there. We're probably going to see those interest rates rise a little bit sooner than later. Um, uh, later, mean in 2023, 2020, you know, sooner than later will be in 2022. So, uh, so that's what we're seeing a little bit on the market. We're also seeing a lot of that uh, negativity in the market around the big tech names. So, uh, so if you look, you know, we, and we've been talking about that theme pretty much through 2021 here, um, you know, from January on was that, you know, the techs had a really good ride into the beginning of 2021 for uh, coming through 2020. Um, but some of that valuation, you know, we've been recommending taking some money off the table, take some profit off the table in those tech names and really look at those value names, right? The, the dividend pay and the more boring industries, because they tend to do much better uh, industrials and things and financials tend to do much better in your in an inflationary market or a stagflation in market, uh, and that allowed uh, allows them to to see their prices go up. While you know those heavy uh, leverage growth companies that the tech companies uh, generally are, um, you know, don't do as well when inflation's out there. So 
that theme is certainly playing out uh, and we've certainly seen the tech names taking on uh, bigger hits uh, in the last couple of months uh, as we've seen the market just cool down a bit. Nothing, nothing overly concerning. Uh, earnings season obviously still going on. We're expecting bed, uh, Best Buy to, to report, Medtronics and Dollar Tree, uh, Dell Technology, Nordstrom, The Gap all reporting today. Uh, and we'll see a few more later on this week. Uh, overseas, uh, you know, the uh, the stocks of Europe 600 declined a bit. Uh, they're seeing inflation pretty hard there too. Uh, you know, really looking at, you know, Germany might be one of the first, Germany or, or England, UK, uh, might be one of the first ones to raise interest rates due to inflation here of the, uh, of the big uh, economies around the world. Uh, also there, uh, you know, Visa and Amazon have been, you know, in a fight, uh, and this includes all the credit card companies We're just, you know, Visa's at the forefront of it. And this is over fees. So uh, if you watch me or you've listened to me or you've invested with us, you know, Visa and MasterCard uh, have been darlings in our portfolios. They've done incredible. I really like them. They're cash cow businesses. They don't own any debt. Where they do make their money is on fees. So every time you swipe your card, a piece of what you're paying goes to Visa or MasterCard as a, as a fee from their and the retailer is, is absorbing that fee. So there's obviously a lot of push uh, to drive those fees down. Uh, it seems like the retailers have a bit of power right now with you know the shift to online shopping, which has to you know be done uh, you know through. Um, you know, a payment system of some sort, electronic payment system of some sort. And there's a lot more competition coming in there for Visa and Ma for the likes of Visa and MasterCard out there. Uh, and so retailers, you know, retailers are no longer kind of handcuffed to just say Visa or, or MasterCard. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of other options that they can use. So we're still seeing, um, you know, not a big concern for Visa and MasterCard. We're still seeing the volumes uh, go up. Yes, their fees might go down a little bit on those things, but all in all, uh, looks they'll figure this thing out and uh, well in time before the uh, the holiday season's over. Um, you know, living hands to mouth, uh, and this goes, you know, the the gas crunch uh, at the forefront of this in in Europe right now. Obviously, the UK. Uh, being, uh, you know, kind of the central focus of shortage of gas at the pumps. Uh, we're seeing it now in Vancouver as well for completely different reasons. Um, but uh, obviously uh, just uh, trouble getting uh, enough supply. Uh, you know, Russia has started to increase their, their shipments into Europe uh, to cover off the winter, uh, you know, uh, supply, uh, sorry, demand flows. Um, but it's probably a bit too late. And even if they get the supply, get, getting it to where they need it, you know, the, the whole transportation uh, or shipping bottleneck, um, you know, still exists. And, you know, a lot of that, not just in Europe, but in the UK, particularly all, all driven around the Brexit issues. So that's going to continue. So we're probably going to still see gas prices pretty high, you know, despite, you know, the oil price easing a little bit. We'll dive a little bit more into that uh, when we cover off the commodities. Uh, U.S. families are planning big holiday celebrations. You know, everyone's been, you know, cooped up for the better part of two years. Uh, and certainly last holiday season, uh, you know, families were certainly advised not to not to get together in large groups and, not to, and you know, weren't able necessarily to travel. Uh, so this year, certainly, uh, certainly in America, the, the numbers are looking like it's going to be a massive travel weekend. Uh, and that heads right into, you know, Hanukkah and Christmas and all the other holidays, uh, part of the season. Um, 
you know, so they, they've really ramped up, you know, the availability of the vaccines and, and of course, the boosters, as I mentioned, uh, and, and trying to reduce some of that worry of, of all of the, the, that travel and the festivities that are going to go around that. Uh, but I think the biggest problem is going to be is the debate at the house. Can you, you know, I've talked to a lot of people uh, who are getting together um, for, the, you know, the American Thanksgiving, of course, the holidays coming up. Uh, and, you know, there's always some family members that are on the different side of the vaccination argument. And uh, I think that's good. I think that's the biggest worry I would have if I was an American right now heading into a big uh, family holiday season. I think there's already probably tensions around these holidays. Uh, and I think that's just going to add an extra layer. So that that's a big part I'm going to keep an eye on. And obviously, we hope to not see a big surge in the uh, number of cases. Other news going on, uh, U.S. home sales uh, climbed to a nine-month high, uh, and we're starting to see a housing shortage, you know, continue to persist. Now, bit of concern, obviously, especially when we talk about the U.S. Um, you know, Canada here, the same numbers are kind of coming out in Canada, uh, but we have a very different housing market. We have a very different uh, lending market for, for, for homes. Uh, and, of course, we all remember 2007, 2008, uh, you know, where the housing market really caused that financial crunch uh, where people were just over leveraged because of the continued growth in the value of their home. Uh, and if you don't remember, it was just basically, you know, people, people will buy a house for 300,000 and then it was worth 500,000. So then they go borrow another 200,000 to buy another home and then another and another uh, until they were so leveraged that, you know, any weakness in that market whatsoever, uh, you know, the dominoes start to uh, start to collapse. And that's what happened in 2007, 2008, along with, you know, some more complicated packaging of those markets mortgages and reselling them on the market so you know even if you weren't in that housing market you might have owned those mortgages which collapsed and you know again the dominoes just kept going so still you know still not really concern level uh but we'll keep it a we'll keep a really close eye on u.s consumer debt levels as well because uh their housing market climbs can cause other other issues uh u.s debt uh, debt debt Sorry, deadline, uh, the debt ceiling deadline is coming up and could be extended into January. Uh, so this is just, you know, the amount of money that the U.S. Uh, Treasury can borrow uh, without Congress uh, and the Senate uh, allowing for the, uh, the debt ceiling to be to be raised. Uh, and they're they're quickly approaching that that gap. I think it's mid-December uh, that they're going to hit that ceiling. Uh, this is usually a normal procedure for the U.S. to just raise that and move on. Um, especially after all the back and forth over the uh, the recent uh, yeah, infrastructure package that just got approved. But of course, with U.S. politics, never, nothing's ever that easy. Uh, there's always people uh, pushing back, even though they know they're going to raise it, uh, push it back for different reasons, political reasons, and to push uh, different agendas. So we'll, we'll see that probably go back and forth in the news a little bit, coming to the uh, Coming to the deadline and they'll get extended into January before hopefully they give a longer a longer approval. CVC and HPS, uh, two uh, two private equity firms, uh, are looking to take a big stake in authentic brands uh, and it actually raise the overall uh, valuation of authentic to almost thirteen billion dollars. So they've agreed to buy a significant stake in that uh, in that company. Uh, raising raising their value. So this is just continue the M&A activity and you're going to see there's a few more out there that uh, we continue uh, to see that uh, pretty much since 
mid 2020, M&A has been um, massively on the rise. And in fact, the first part of 2021, I think we set a record. Cybersecurity startup Arctic Wolf is seeking to hire an advisor for the U.S. IPO. So they just uh, Arctic Wolf is a new, a newer cybersecurity uh, company. Uh, recently raised, uh, privately raised four billion dollars, and now they're seeking an advisor to to do an IPO in the U.S. They should really reach out to me. I've been following and investing in cybersecurity for the last couple of years. It's been a great position in the portfolios. Uh, I still think it's it's a, a continuous uh, sector that uh, you know corporations cannot afford to ease up on or or spend or cut budgets in. So uh, they should really reach out to me. I think I can uh, I can do a lot for them to get their their company name out there. Uh, moving on, uh, bio firm Apollo is uh, looking to acquire stake in energy storage operator uh, Broadreach. Uh, so uh, Apollo, again, a private investment company uh, looking to take a 50% uh, stake in uh, Broadreach Power um, from the, exist the existing owners. Uh, so, uh, and that results in about 400 million of capital being invested in U.S. energy storage and renewable companies. So we talked about some other ones, uh, you know, especially around the energy side over the last couple of weeks, Algonquin Power, which is, you know, one of the positions that we really like, they, they did an acquisition in the U.S. to expand their, their renewable energy. Obviously, renewable energy is at the forefront. I've talked about the challenges of the shift from fossil fuels to, um, to renewables. Uh, you know, it just takes time. But this one's an interesting one because it's, it, you know, it's about U.S. energy storage or energy storage in general, because that's the big thing with renewables is uh, storage to, uh, you know, because there'll be times when, you know, renewables create more power than you need, and then other times not create enough. And it's all about that storage. And storage is something that's come a massive uh, long way in the last 10 years. Uh, you know, even if you think about, you know, EV cars, electric vehicles, uh, you know, the battery's ability to store power uh, for future use. Uh, and if you look at the range of the vehicles and that, that storage technology has come a long way. And that's going to be huge. When you talk about investing into renewable energy, storage is at the forefront of that, that, to that opportunity because it doesn't matter how you make the energy. From a, from a renewable standpoint, you have to be able to store it, to deploy it when you need it. Uh, so storage uh, technology is going to be, uh, I, I think, right at the forefront of the this renewable move. Uh, and, 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 you know, we certainly have exposure in our portfolios and we'll continue to keep a focus on it uh, as it grows, um, you know, much like I was just talking about cybersecurity we, when we started a couple of years ago, you know, it, it was not in, not in its infancy, but it was, you know, very early stage on the investment side. Um, and as it continues to grow, um, you know, continues to give uh, very solid returns. And I think we're going to see that on the uh, U.S. energy storage front as well. So with that, let's take a look at what's coming up this week. Uh, Dell Technologies, I mentioned, they're expected to report a rise in third quarter. Obviously, this hybrid work from home is continuing. Uh, you know, big boost in demand for products, especially uh, for people working, you know, upgrading their equipment at home uh, or even corporations to upgrade their equipment to allow people to work more at home. Because we have seen... You know, obviously in 2020, that shift happened dramatically quick. Uh, and I remember in March 2020 talking to an exec at Dell saying that that was the lar largest single month that they chipped out, you know, laptops. They just 
the record setting month for them for shipping out laptops. And that was corporations just trying to buy up whatever they can and get it into their employees' hands so that they could work from home. But that continues as more and more people, uh, you know, make it a, a permanent transition. Um, and, and, and we're definitely seeing that uh, where the employees now have a lot of power over corporations because, um, you know, it was at one point, you know, if employees said, hey, I want to work from home and the corporation would just say, no, you can't. Uh, we don't do that. And, you know, what, what are you going to do? You want the job, you're going to take the job. But right now, um, people are saying, I want to work from home. And the employer, if an employer says no, they're saying, fine, I'm going to go somewhere else. Because it is a very strong uh, job market for people to find, especially skilled employees. There's a lot of demand. Uh, we've, we've talked about the earnings, uh, earnings inflation. People get, you know, getting to pay, get paid more for doing those jobs. Because uh, you know employers just need employees, especially on the skilled side of things, uh, to, you know to to deal with the growth in their companies. But at the same time, employees are also getting better or different perks. And I think it was month of October um, was the highest number of people who voluntarily quit their jobs uh, to take on new jobs. Uh, it, it, in a record number of years. Uh, I, I wish I had remembered the stat, but uh, it's been decades and decades before uh, we saw that many people walk away from their jobs to start new jobs. Um, and a lot of that centered around, you know, uh, environments, culture, and certainly the ability to work from home. So definitely Dell is going to continue to benefit from that. Uh, and we've already seen other companies like Microsoft, uh, who, who's also in that space, uh, do well with it as well. A uh, data firm I, uh, IHS Marquis is expected to report, the, as I mentioned, the uh, manufacturing number. We're expecting that to rise for November, uh, as we've seen everything in the supply chain side of things. Uh, you know, just increased demand, uh, trying to get trying to get product out. Um, you know, we saw it uh, up in October, and we expect that trend to continue. And on the service side as well, we're looking for another slight uh, slight bump up for November as well, as there's been really no slowdown on, on that front. Gap is looking at uh, uh, it, putting out their numbers as well. Should see a good jump as you know, uh, stronger sales and stronger demand for apparel as you know people get out of the house more and more. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they have to take off the sweatpants and put on clothes, but still a lot of casual clothes, right? Uh, you know, people aren't, uh, people aren't fully back at the offices yet. So, you know, uh, I don't think we're going to see, uh, you know, strong sales for, you know, the Harry Rosens of the world as, you know, they, they tend to focus on the more formal uh, outfits, but certainly on the, the casual going out um, uh, suppliers. Uh, we're seeing the shoppers come back, uh, come back again in droves. Uh, so we should see some pretty good numbers. We'll keep a good lookout though on the supply chain impacts, because of course that's still a thing that's not going away uh, anytime soon. Other top news in the U.S. Uh, KKR is uh, is looking to spend 37 billion as they approach uh, Telecom Italia. So Telecom Italia. Uh, the main uh, monopoly, kind of like their Telus or, 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 or Rogers uh, over in Italy, uh, was having financial problems. Uh, and KKR is coming in with $37 billion to buy them out and take them private. They've got a proposal on the table. Uh, so this will be one of the biggest, one of Europe's biggest ever private equity buyouts. So uh, KKR uh, looking to restructure that company and turn it around. And Uber Eats or Uber... As a, as a company uh, has decided to start doing tests in Ontario uh, to delivering cannabis straight to your home. So 
Uh, I guess you can be able to order cam cannabis right from the Uber Eats app, and then you can order your uh, your food afterwards when you get the munchies. So Uber is just leveraging uh, their driver's abilities out there. Uh, hopefully people are smart enough to order the food and the cannabis at the same time. Uh, so they're testing that out in the Ontario market. We'll see if that expands uh, outside of Ontario. I, I suppose uh, Uber will probably want to expand it, but uh, I imagine different legislations will have different uh, a different view of that. Uh, H&F, Hellman and Friedman uh, Capital is uh, making a move, another acquisition into the health tech boom that's going on. Uh, if you've been following this, you know, telehealth uh, type of, uh, of services have just rocketed uh, during the, uh, the, the pandemic. And not surprising, this is a technology, of course, that's been around for a long time, but healthcare around the world, you know, whether you were in Canada or in the US, uh, you know, here in Canada, in fact, prior to the pandemic, uh, doctors didn't even have the ability to bill um, you know, certainly in BC, the Bill Pharmacare or BC Care uh, for a online or telephone appointment. Like there was no billing code to do that. That had to be created right away when the when the shutdown happened. And obviously, telecare, uh, telehealth has expanded massively. Uh, it's good for especially people uh, who are disabled or elderly who can't get around as uh, easy, but also in rural areas. Uh, I mean, this been this has been used in Africa for over ten years, uh, but it, the the boom of people adopting and using it as uh, you know, they just realize how convenient it is uh, and how helpful it is. So H uh, and F is going to put seventeen billion into Athena Health. Uh, to take a stake in that in that sector, uh, as we still see more and more healthcare shift into the cloud, and I don't think that's going to end. You know, we've talked about disruptive technology uh, being a great area of investment, and uh, nothing's more apparent than than this particular one, uh, where it's it's not new technology and it's not a new industry. It's just marrying existing technology, making an, an, an existing industry uh, far more efficient. Uh, and able to leverage people's time a lot better. Uh, and, and it just took a whole global pandemic to kind of push people forward into that uh, into that area. But, uh, you know, this is going to continue to grow. Uh, you see a, a ton of different apps out there where you can uh, sign up for online uh, health, where you can get access, you know, instantaneously, basically, to uh, medical professionals to, you know, even for prescription renewals or anything else. So we're going to see a lot more in that sector. U.S. lawmakers call for privacy legislation after uh, Reuters reported, uh, Reuters put out a, a report, a, an article on Amazon uh, quietly lobbying, lobbying Congress to, uh, to make it easier for them to get um, uh, consumers' uh, personal data, basically. Uh, this is, was focused in the United States, but obviously it's a, a global thing. I mean, you know, no shock that Amazon was doing this. Like, I think the bigger shock that they got caught this easily <laughs> doing it. Uh, but uh, Amazon, Facebook, this is all at the forefront. As I mentioned before, there's a big case in, in Europe uh, over this. Uh, just uh, consumers, uh, consumers shopping data or the personal data that, uh, that they put out there, you know, maybe just for that transaction, but it's able to be tracked by these systems uh, and then using it to either target directly to you or target a specific market or uh, behavior. So um, 
So the U.S., who's already put uh, putting forward uh, new uh, antitrust laws, are looking also to try to protect uh, your personal data a little bit, a uh, little bit better. Uh, Tesla, always in the news these days, uh, just put out details of their $1 billion cost for the new Texas factory. So if you haven't followed it, Tesla is moving from California to Texas. Uh, they're building the new factory there. Uh, obviously, big tax strategy for them. Uh, Texas is giving them a lot of tax incentives to, to, to move there. Uh, and they're targeting a year-end uh, year completion, which, you know, Good for them. I've never seen a renovation go that quickly, uh, but I suppose if you're spending a billion dollars, the contractor is motivated to, uh, to to meet your demands. But they're hoping to uh, to get um, get it done by the end of the year, and that's based on some public filings with Texas, uh, and that's to probably meet their their uh, their targets for the tax incentives that they're getting from Texas to move there. On the exchange front, uh, as I mentioned, Jerome Powell got uh, got a second term as uh, Fed chief. Uh, which reinforced the you know market expectations for interest rates. Uh, so it did help the dollar a little bit, uh, the U.S. dollar a bit, uh, just to strengthen up. Uh, you know, given as I said, the market doesn't look uncertainty, so it weakened a little bit going into. Uh, you know, was Biden going to change uh, the, the Fed chief? Uh, and when they got the devil that they know, not that he's a devil, but you know, no surprise coming down the road. It strengthened up a little bit to a 16 month high. Uh, the uh, the Fed also, um, the, you know, looking at their inflation gauges, which they use as the PCE deflator, uh, which might disappoint in October uh, as their numbers have not been keeping track with the CPI index. Uh, and that's largely due to the fact that there's some, uh, there's some items that people use day to day, particularly housing, uh, which is not in both uh, both indicators. So um, obviously that's something the Fed has to deal with and it's just that continued watch on inflation. The bond yields did rise uh, rise up a little bit. Uh, the two-year note climbed uh, to 0.638 uh, and the 10-year benchmark the uh, went to uh, 1.64 before pulling back a little bit. So it's still staying in a reasonable range that, as I mentioned, we don't expect the uh, the rate hikes to kick in until next year. Uh, while we stay in these ranges. As I mentioned, oil eased off a little bit. Uh, and if you followed us last week, mostly due to uh, a consortium of countries around the world uh, with China, Japan, India, South Korea, US, uh, easing up or, or freeing up some uh, reserve, uh, oil reserves uh, to ease off the, the price at the pump or help ease off the price at the pump, just ease off on the supply crunch against the demand increase. Um, in fact, I think I read this morning that the U.S. was going to release 50 million barrels uh, from their reserves um, to help ease off the gas prices. Uh, actually, other than the oil price dropping a bit, we're sitting around 75, 76 U.S. a barrel right now, uh, obviously off its highs in the 80s, but still holding in strong. Uh, I probably We probably won't see much, um, much change at the pump uh, just because uh, demand's still staying high. Uh, and that's probably not going away tomorrow, and especially heading into the holiday seasons. Uh, copper edged up a little bit uh, despite some bearish data, and we talked a little bit about that last week with uh, a bit of slowdown in construction in China, mostly around the um, Evergrande uh, real estate uh, troubles that they've been in, uh, but the global demand for copper uh, continues to increase, so probably continued strength there. With that, that's it for this week. Uh, a bit shorter, as I said, uh, just because I'm on the road. Uh, I'll see you next week. But if you have any questions, 
uh, or you just want to reach out with some ideas for our uh, weekly updates, uh, go to mikeonmoney.com. Happy to hear from you. Yeah, and you can see all our other videos and content there as well. So with that, take care, everyone. Look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye.